Oh, let me shut my headlamp. That's all right. <laughs> Shine that right in your face. I'm blind now. <laughs> okay, Ben. Hey, Leah. Where are we? Uh, in in the woods, in the dark, in North Fork Park. Oh, that was... Wow! Ooh. You rehearsed that before you came. I'm out. In the I'm woods, done. in the dark, at North Fork Park. Wow. What are we doing here? Um, rhyming <laughs> and looking at bats and watching DWR trap bats. Lots of bats. Lots of bats. Lots and lots of bats. Hey, Ben. Hey, Leah. Welcome, listeners, to another episode of Outstanding in a Field. This is the Science and Environment podcast from the Standard Examiner. Yep. And today we get to talk about one of my favorite things. Yes. It is one of your favorite it things. It is. And it's one of the first assignments I ever did with you when I started at the Standard Examiner four years ago. Bats! Bats! So specifically, we went up to North Fork Park up in Ogden Valley where DWR, Division of Wildlife Resources, was putting on an event. Public viewing event. Yeah, sort of twofold both to get up there and study bats by the biologists there, but also invite the public to come in and see what they're doing when they study Ask bats. Learn a little bit more. See them nose to nose. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for coming here to Weaver County North Fork Park. My name is Michaela, and I work for the State of Utah Division of Wildlife Resources, and I am a wildlife education specialist. I want to ask you guys a question. So, when I say bat, what is the first thing that pops into your mind? Vampires. Vampires. What's another one? Rabies. Rabies, yes. Absolutely. What was that? Darkness. Fuzzy. Eater of bikes. Anyone think mice with wings? They'll give you rabies. They'll give you rabies. What else? They get in your hair. They get in your hair. They fly into your hair and they build a nest. What are some other ones? I don't think we need to tell you guys that bats throughout history have kind of a a lore and a reputation that's followed them around. They're, they're flying and have big teeth and are only out at night, so it's kind of easy to make up your own story about them, which people have done for thousands of years. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about some of those, um, but also that's kind of the, the point of this whole public viewing of the bats thing is the, um, the biologists can, can introduce them to the public and show them they're not as scary and rabid and... Yeah. I don't know, evil, as people have thought over time. They're cool little creatures mm-hmm. in our neighborhood. Yeah, so before all those people gathered to meet the bats, so we came a little earlier and met with the biologists while they were setting up. Um, so you'll hear a few voices throughout the episode. Okay, so I guess I'll start. So I'm Adam, Adam Brewerton. I'm the conservation biologist for the northern region um, with the Division of Wildlife Resources. Um, the crew that I've got here is sort of spread out right now. Um, so what was your name? Maya Pendleton. Maya Pendleton. And what's your title? I'm actually a graduate student, a master's student in the, in the Ecology Center at Utah State University. So I'm working on my master's degree right now. 
and then basically just bat enthusiasts and willing to give up free laborist, I guess. <laughs> yeah, uh, my name's Lapita Ferguson and I'm a wildlife technician under Adam Burton. Kenley Gottlieb. And wildlife tech as well? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> When we showed up at North Fork Park, the biologists were up there putting up these very delicate nets on tall metal poles. So they're hammering stakes into the ground to stand these things up before it gets dark. You can hear all the hammering in the background. Will you explain what you guys are doing? What are you setting up here? So right now we're setting up mist nets, which are also used for birds. So basically we set up these nets over ponds, hoping to intersect the flyways of bats. And then once it gets kind of dark, we'll raise up the nets and hopefully as they're coming down over the water to get a drink or to eat insects, they'll fly into the nets. And then once they do that, we come out and we grab them and we test for, or not test, but we survey for a lot of different things. Like if they're male or female, are they reproductive, breeding, like females, are they lactating? So kind of to see what species are in which area, kind of what they're doing. And then also other things to try to do genetic testing. So we'll take like skin cell swabs, or sometimes we test for the white nose fungus, the white nose syndrome that's been going around. So kind of just depending. Tonight it's kind of more just an educational, super fun. Everybody loves to catch bats sort of thing. <laughs> but we try to do a lot of different things when we catch these guys. Just to set the scene and give you an idea of where we're at, we are up in North Fork Park and we're along a small dirt road that runs through the park and a spot where it dips down into a little bit of a valley. There's a small creek a running A mini valley, there. yeah. yeah. Um, and the creek's formed a pond that's kind of burned by a road. Mm-hmm. Small pond. So where we're at with these biologists is working on that road and also wading out into the pond a little bit to make a giant horseshoe-shaped collection of nets around the road and pond. Hmm? Yeah, I'm already realizing I need to get that bug spray when we You want some? I got it with me. <laughs> oh, I thought it was in the car. Nope. Yep. I'm prepared. <laughs> no, I'm going to put plenty on because they're biting through my shirt, so. Mm. Yes, and there were lots of bugs. Why did you set up the nets in a kind of a wet area? Why did we set the nets in a wet area? So bats really love wet areas. A, it's a great place for all different types of insects, kind of insects skimming the water, and they need to drink too. So bats will skim down over the water to get a drink, or they'll skim down to catch a bug. It's kind of just like a perfect place for them. So bats are pretty much, rats are pretty much found everywhere where there is water. So where there's water, there's bound to be bats basically. So that's kind of one of the best ways, especially when we have such a great like surrounding of trees, it funnels them right over this waterway. Because Bats mostly fly around at night. People don't tend to see them all that often. Uh, so you might be surprised to learn that they're one of the most prolific mammal species in the world, actually. Of the 5,400 known living species of mammals in the world, uh, more than 1,000 of them are bats. Yeah, so that's coming at about 20% of all mammal species. It's mm -hmm. a lot. Yeah, and you know, like they eat all kinds of things. They've adapted to all kinds of environments. Like there's some in the Gulf of California that eat fish, which I didn't know. Um, and of course, we all know about the vampire bats that drink blood, although you won't find those in Utah. All the bats in Utah eat bugs. Right. Yeah, so there's about 44 species of bats in the U.S. 
Um, and depending on whose count you go by, there's around 10 to 18 of those in Utah. There's a lot of species that are kind of right on the edge, so maybe they come into Utah every now and then but don't quite live here. Mm-hmm. Yes, and some hibernate. A lot of them hibernate and stay in Utah all year, but some of the species also migrate when it gets cold, so they'll fly somewhere warmer. Um, ben, you have a big background with bats. I like bats. <laughs> like, tell me about that. How did you get into bats, and what is, yeah. So, um, I've done a little bit of work in forestry, and while I went back to school to study photojournalism, I kind of accidentally ended up, um, on a bat research job that I then stuck with for a couple years. So while my background was in trees, there were people (laughs) studying bats and part of their studying was figuring out uh, exactly where these bats are living. So I was brought in to do these surveys of the different habitats. So when we'd find bats or record bats, there were some people who knew a lot about bats and they would work with the bats specifically. And I would say, okay, here is a detailed uh, map of of where they are and what kind of habitat they're living in. So So then on the periphery, I ended up seeing a lot of bats and chasing a lot of bats and getting bitten by some bats. Got bit by some bats. Yes. Do you have a rabies shot? No. (gasps) Maybe we should cut that part out. Yeah, we'll cut out that last question. (laughs) (laughs) Where have you guys been this week? Everyone. So, yeah, these guys go out all over northern Utah. So they went to Bear, or we went to Bear Lake, kind of on yeah, the... We Bear Lake, and we were up Echo Canyon. They went to Mirror Lake. And then they went up to Mirror Lake Wednesday. And then Thursday so we ran the just the acoustics out on Antelope Island and down at, like, the Ogden Nature Center. But they go to, like, the West Desert, too. Yeah, and then, then we'll hit down. West Desert next week. Oh, really? Is this your like batting stretch of the summer? Yeah, well, so it's because we have three windows through the summer and we try to <clears throat> concentrate all the surveys around the new moon. Tell me how you really so the two that. weeks around the new moon, we try to, like a trick to basically just go every night and get it in as much as we can. And then the next two weeks, we download data off the memory cards and clean stuff. and take a nap, <laughs> recover from the 20-hour days. Hey, Ben, let's clear up one of the biggest myths or misconceptions that you hear about bats. They all have rabies? That's the one. There we go. Uh, Nikayla Haig, the education uh, coordinator that you heard at the, the beginning of the podcast episode, she gets questions about rabies all the time, so she told us a little bit about it. But um, it is commonly thought that bats are this huge vector for rabies so and they're not well only about five to six percent of bats have rabies according to current research a lot of people say 20 percent but that's just because a lot of the bats that are tested for rabies are already sick you can clearly see that they're sick Uh so it'd be more accurate to say that 20 percent of sick bats have rabies or something like that yeah I think what it is is like if they think a bat has rabies, they'll take it in and you have to kill it to do it. And so out of all the bats that they think have rabies, only one in five do. So really, 
not a high percentage. Yeah. Because if a bat's if a bat's healthy, you're probably not gonna be able to catch it or you won't really see it. Right. So if you're seeing a bat kind of crawling around in the middle of the yeah. day on the ground, like it's probably one that you should stay away from. Yeah, so bats express different symptoms of rabies than things like raccoons and foxes. They will get paralyzed and they'll just fall to the ground. So if you see a bat that's on the ground that's acting kind of strange, like don't touch it or anything, but if it's just a bat flying around, then that's a different issue entirely. If it's flying around, it's probably healthy. Probably, yeah. Okay, let's talk about white nose next. We already talked about the disease that we're afraid that we'll get from bats, but let's talk about the disease that's really, really harming bats themselves. Right, so something called white nose syndrome that showed up in the U.S. in 2006 um, some, up in New York. Yeah, some cavers noticed this white powdery stuff on some bats they saw. All right, and very quickly, this started spreading from bat colony to bat colony all over the northeast. And basically what it does is uh, a lot of these bats hibernate through the winter and they weren't hibernating correctly. This fungus on them would cause them to wake up and they aren't the insects out there. They'd burn through all their energy they have saved up and they would all their fat storage die off during the winter. Um, in some places this was, you know, really and like over 90% of all bats in a cave or in a colony. And since 2006, it's been spreading out from the northeast, sort of creeping south and creeping west. Moving west year by year. And most recently, they found a white nose in, with a colony of bats in Wyoming. Yeah, that was just earlier this summer or spring? Something like that. Mm-hmm. So, Adam, are you worried about the white nose they found in Wyoming? I'm a little concerned about that, because that's pretty close. <clears throat> um, but they found it out right close to Cheyenne, so it's eastern end of the state. So. Okay. okay, so we're looking at the website whitenosesyndrome.org, which you can look at too. Um, and it shows how this disease has progressed, and uh, I guess it's killed millions of bats and up to 100% of some populations, all due to this fungus. Yeah, so I know there's problems in areas where even you do, you may have bats survive, but if you only have a few bats survive, how long does it take to rebuild the population that was once here? Mm -hmm. Or if you have some endangered species of bats, maybe there just aren't even enough that survive to bring back that species or that population. Why should you care there being fewer scary bats flying around? Well, this whitenosesyndrome.org website also says that bats contribute about $3.7 billion worth of insect control for U.S. farmers. Yeah. Bet you didn't know that. They can eat up to 30 to 100% of their body weight in bugs every night. Mm -hmm. So if you have some areas, I'll keep falling back to the Midwest because that's where I did, my, I did my bat stuff in Missouri and Iowa. You know. There are millions of bats, big colonies there, and obviously farming's a big industry there. So you have a couple million bats out in your part of the state, and they're eating millions of bats worth of insects every night. That adds up quick. Mm -hmm. They're also just cool. They are cool. Only mammal that flies. Unless you count people in airplanes. Do bats have any natural predators around here? Yeah, yeah. So I think their main natural predator are owls. 
um, especially kind of like right at dusk as they're just starting to come out and it's still light out, they're most vulnerable to predation. Um, they're also vulnerable to predation by daytime predators that can find them where they're roosting. So, you know, that could be anything from raccoons to snakes to, you know, whatever else that just comes across them. Bats are typically not um, the best at defending them. Like, they're pretty vulnerable to predation. So if something can find them and catch them, like, they're pretty much eaten. Um, <clears throat> so, but that's one of the reasons why they come out at night is to avoid predation. It's one of the reasons that we do our surveys at the darkest nights around the new moon because mm -hmm. they're most active when it's darkest. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I think owls are the biggest ones. Um, <clears throat> are they mostly hanging out in caves in this part of the um, state? Not, not necessarily. So it's, some of the bats are hanging out in caves um, and it's kind of different species will hang out in different places. A lot of the bats that are here are actually probably just in these trees that are right around us. Um, they use tree hollows and um, like the bark when it flakes off of trees. They use that space in between the trunk and the bark. Um, so they can cram themselves up into pretty small spots. Yeah, into little small spots. And they mostly what they're looking for is just a spot that they can hide, be, you know, not easily found by something trying to get them. Um, but then also they're looking for a place that's got the right temperature climate for them to roost during the day because with their um, <clears throat> small body size and their flight they have super high metabolic needs so they have to eat and drink pretty regularly throughout the night and during the daytime it you know they they wouldn't be able to survive through the daytime without being able to slow their metabolisms down um, and actually go into a, a torpor like a mini hibernation each day um, so the place they roost during the day they're looking for a place that has the right temperatures and climate, microclimate, just right for them, that they can make it through the day without burning up too much energy. And do they tend to return to the same spot every night? Yeah, they're super habitual. Um, so they tend to turn, return to the same spot every day after day after day, and then between years too. So they'll come back to the same spots year after year. Um, and they typically already have like alternative locations too. So if, you know, for some reason they're caught out as the sun's coming out and they can't make it back to where they want to be they already have like alternate roost sites that they can go to wow. um the mother bats that have babies waiting for them won't do that um but yeah and then it's been documented sometimes where you know researchers will go in to go study a bat colony and just by going in to go study the bat colony they're actually disrupting the bat colony itself and the bat colony abandons and goes to another location and then the researchers find them like at another location just the very next day and, and they're kind of like oh well i guess they move around or, <laughs> or i guess we scared them or you know so like like i said they kind of typically already know the next spot that they're going to go to if they have to leave where they're at but why should people i think bats get a bad rap mm -hmm. for the rabies thing and also they've just kind of been portrayed as scary and yeah well i mean i, I think first and foremost they're just fascinating creatures um I, th I think that question is typically answered with, you know, they're an important part of the ecosystem, which is, which is true. Um, you know, I don't want to downplay their, their importance to the ecosystem. Um, but I, I think a lot of people just knowing kind of how bats behave and what they, how they kind of go about their day and what their 
doing and how they're behaving. It's, it's really fascinating. And so once you kind of get past the creepiness of a creature with sharp teeth that flies around at night, then you can kind of get to the real interesting parts of, you know, their behavior and, and the things they do. So I'm going to need to help here. After everyone set up the nets and it was starting to get dark, uh, the biologists and us walked away from the nets to give them some space for a little bit before we came back to check and see if we found anything. Um, but while we wait, uh, let's, let's talk dish about out bats. Let's some more bat facts. Mm -hmm. uh, did you know, Ben, that bats are more related to primates and thus people than mice or rats? So they're not flying rodents. They are not flying rodents. They evolved completely independently of mice and rodents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the bats are actually of the uh, scientific order Chiroptera, which means hand wing. I told Ben he had to say that because I can't say so, it again. Chiroptera. Chiroptera. Now I'm doubting myself, but I'm pretty sure that's right. And it means hand wing because yeah. if you look at them, their yeah. wings are just basically really elongated hands. Yeah, and their wings are really just like webbing in between their long, skinny fingers. Mm-hmm. And in like movies and and just in popular culture, a lot of times bats are compared to birds or like, I don't know. They fly. They're the same size, some of them. Yeah, but they're very different from birds. Yeah. Birds have hollow bones, which is how they fly. They weigh very little. Um, but bats as mammals have bones that are just as solid as any other mammal. Like ours. Mm -hmm. um, so because their bones are dense and heavy, they had to figure out other crafty ways of flying. Um, they make up for those dense bones by being very small and agile. Mm -hmm. And they also fly in a different way. You'll never see a bat take off like you might see a, a duck take off out of the water. Or off, directly off the ground either, mm -hmm. even. Um, they kind of throw their bodies around like, I don't know, like a gymnast or something. Right. That's part of the reason they sleep upside down like they do as well. They're always ready to go. They can just uh, basically drop and get started that way. Mm -hmm. I'm talking with my hands and hitting the mic. So. <laughs> yeah, so pretty interesting critters. Um, and again, they don't weigh much. Even the biggest bats, the flying foxes that you don't see around here, but uh, in Asia, mm -hmm. um, they only weigh two and a half pounds. And the bats you see in North America or in Utah, in northern Utah, weigh like at most about, you know, the weight of a few paper clips in your hand. Um, and that's also why they're able to sleep upside down. For a fun fact, because they're so small and they have so much less blood in their bodies than you and I do, um, they can hang upside down all day long without getting a headache. Yeah. And one of the coolest things about bats is basically how they get around in the dark. Their echolocation. Mm -hmm. Echolocation. Um, bats, in addition to having evolved to fly, the only mammal, uh, they also evolved echolocation. The only other mammals that can do that are... Um, Dolphins and some whales. And they don't fly at all. They, in fact, swim. <laughs> the sound you hear is bat radar, a natural system of echolocation far lighter and more flexible than the best electronic radar system man has devised. The bat sends out a series of chirping noises that echo back from surrounding objects. The bat's brain, weighing a few hundredths of an ounce, instantly evaluates these signals, telling the bat where there is food and where there are obstacles to avoid. This system perfectly suits a flying animal that hunts at night.
So you can hear a bit of the bats in there. Um, the bats you'll hear in Utah, if you're just out and about, you usually don't hear them because they're, quiet. They're, they're very quiet. They're on a different frequency. You'll hear tonight, if you do get up close to them with a biologist or something, you can hear it a little bit. And Sounds like static or yeah, little clicks. Yeah, little clicks and chirps. Not a bird screech, not a scream like they seem to be in old horror movies. Mm -hmm. Just a little click, click, click. Anyway, let's check on our biologists and see if they rounded up any bats in those nets. You've already caught so many. But we've got what looks like to be little brown bats. We've got some silver-haired bats. We have a hoary bat right here that she's wrestling with. Yeah, wrestling for sure. <laughs> Stop that. Stop it. You're smart to wear gloves. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't do it without gloves, honestly. Especially not this species. They're little teeth, but they sure look sharp. Oh, they're very sharp. <laughs> Can you tell what kind that is already? Um, it's... No. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think it's the little brown bat, but... at least a small one so the bites don't hurt. Oh yeah, look at his little mouth. The bigger ones hurt a lot. <laughs> it feels like someone put a staple through your finger sometimes. So they can be feisty. Oh yes. It's neat how their wings are so kind of translucent. Mm-hmm. Ah! That one felt like grabbing a rose thorn. <laughs> with their nocturnal habits and sharp teeth have often gotten a bad rap through history. Mm -hmm. um, there's lots of interesting myths and stories tied to bats throughout time and throughout cultures and we are going to share some of those with you from a, a 1993 article from BatCon. Mm -hmm. That's a Bat Conservation International. They're a big bat protection nonprofit group. Mm -hmm. um, does a lot of funds a lot of bat research as well. But they had a whole collection of interesting ones. Um, one, they seem there seems to be a common thread that people look at bats as thieves. Mm -hmm. For example, in, from Fiji in the South Pacific, there's a myth about how flying foxes got their wings. They apparently a rat stole the wings from a heron, and then the flying fox stole them from the rat. Mm -hmm. There was also a story. This one was an Aesop's fable that the uh, that basically stole a bunch of money from people and now moved into the nighttime to try and hide out from all the people that he ripped off. So, oh, yeah. Okay, so here's a good one. There's a legend from a culture in India where bats are originally a type of bird who, you know, they wanted to be humans. Um, so they went to the temple to try and be turned into humans. Uh, 
but you know, as all fables go, there was a moral to the story where I suppose you should be happy with what you have. They were given teeth, uh, human faces and hair, but they remained bird-like. And then they were so ashamed to meet the other birds because I guess they felt they were ugly, that they were only active at night and mm. they returned to the temples during the day to keep praying to get turned back into birds. Yeah, there's a lot of themes of they're not really trustworthy, that's why they're out at night, or they're trying to hide out, which is why they're there at night, or stories about them uh, kind of being indecisive, mm-hmm. not quite sure if they're mammals or birds, and they're kind of stuck somewhere in the middle ground. Mm-hmm. In contemporary culture, of course, bats are associated with vampires, mm-hmm. um, which are very nice, um, or like witches and things. Um, but of course there is another positive Batman, which is a great superhero, but he's scared of bats. Yes. But he channels his fear into becoming fierce. But what about man bat? I don't know who man bat is. That's one of his, that's an, a villain in Batman who is a, I think a bat scientist. I think Batman should sue him for plagiarism. Well, he fights (laughs) Batman. He's man bat. Man bat. He's a bat scientist who somehow turns into a bat a giant human sized bat and they well, they fight there you go Ben contradicting me there's a lot of bad bat stuff out there and good bats <laughs> I'm trying to end on a positive note here but you're making it really hard <laughs> I love bats I will I will talk for another hour about bats maybe we should bat just go let's just shirts. go back to the field <laughs> okay here we go Bite me if you have to. Blowing is a strategy to get them to stop biting. Yeah. <laughs> Not sure exactly why, <laughs> but it works. That's what I do to my cat, too. If white nose isn't a concern yet, what diseases are you worried about or what, what are well, you worried about? So white nose is the one that we're actually doing the monitoring for, um, but it's we don't have it here in Utah. It's just like trying to do an early detection. So if it gets here, we can, you know, maybe try and do, like we kind of don't even know really what we would do necessarily. Just um, we might try and tighten up a little bit more about decontamination protocols and moving caving equipment and batting equipment and stuff like that around the state. But. Eventually, the biologists invited some of the members of the public down to watch what they were doing as they were detangling them from the nets. Uh, There's a lot of enthusiasm. Um, it was a phenomenal night, actually. They caught 46 bats, all said, um, and that's compared to 22 the year before. Yeah, so 46, uh, four different species in that group of 46, and... Not bad. That's a lot. It's fine. This is insane. Like, the whole time... I mean, yeah, I've done this a couple dozen times, and like a crazy time would be getting like four bats at once. Yeah, how many would you say they caught just in this one? I mean, we walked away for what, 10 minutes? Yeah. 
Don't you get caught in that. I mean, I don't know. Uh-uh. They got four over there no, on like okay. the really tiny the net. And a lot more on the other side. Let's go. Out of the way. As they got the bats out of the net, they would put each bat in its own little small fabric bag and would take these up about 100 yards up the road to where a temporary workstation was set up on the tailgate of a truck, and that's where they would start doing their measurements and examining each bat. And members of the public were watching that too, so you're going to hear them talking and taking pictures. I wouldn't mind just giving a little bit of space just between yourselves and the table, but you guys are more than welcome to walk to kind of rotate up so that you can get a good look. I really want to make sure everyone gets a good look at a bat today, or tonight rather. Oh, it's a baby. Okay. And you can hear him hissing. Yeah. He's not happy. Not happy. So this guy's 10 grams. Wow. This is a female. I don't know if you guys can see it, but her nipple is extended, and that means that she is currently oh, lactating. Hang on. Um, her nipple is extended and elongated, so it means that she is lactating. Oh, see the little dot on her chest? She's so tiny. Between her first. Um, Did the toe hairs extend? Show me your toes. Yeah. Yeah, they do. Okay. So then, um, this is the case. So, so this is a little brown bat. We've narrowed it down by her specific arm lengths, body weights, um, and ear shape. After they took the measurements and figured out this was a, a mama bat, they they put a little mark on her head with a sharpie in case they recaptured her and let her go off to find her baby. Her pups. Yeah. In fact, bat babies are called pups. I did not know that before I researched this podcast, and I think it's adorable. So there you go. And they only have one or two a year, one or two babies. Mm-hmm. And off she flies into the night. So thank you for joining us to talk about bats in Utah. In addition to our podcast here, we will have lots of photos from the night, both of the folks working on bats and some cool little close-ups of that bats, including that mama at the end, the mama bat there. You can see they're cuter than you think. Mm -hmm. So look for that on Standard Examiner at standard.net or follow us on any social media, Facebook and Twitter, Outstanding in the Field, and subscribe to us wherever you are listening to us right now. Until next time. I'm Benjamin Zach. I'm Leah Larson. Bye. I was going to do a back call and it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs>